What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in. We are doing our week one post-game live. Man, it was an ugly one, guys. Uh, Matt, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Let us know what your initial thoughts were. The 49ers week one loss. Slop. Slop city. Um, the team beat itself. Um, you know, people are talking about on Twitter about how good Kyler Murray is and stuff. Listen, if you let DeAndre Hopkins get 14 catches, your your game plan is bad. No matter how you slice it, he should not. I mean, how do you forget that? The two people you have to look out for are Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. And DeAndre, you know, DeAndre Hopkins goes off. Kyler Murray, they kind of held him. They 5.75 yards per attempt or whatever, and that's fine. But he also had 11 carries for like 130 yards or whatever. And it's like you can't let him get loose. And there was some referee stuff. But at the end of the day, the 49ers shot themselves in the foot big time. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, injuries. And it's just like, man, interior O-line was terrible. Um, you know, the wide receiver play. When Raheem Mostert is your leading receiver, that's terrible. You know, George Kittle was nothing after halftime. When he got injured, he was nothing but a decoy. And so, you know, it, man, it was just, it was a terrible game. Um, but that being said, like, you know, people are overreacting and I know it's an emotional thing or whatever. Like we, we had a lot of opportunities. We had this and this and that we didn't get it done, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, this is still a good team. And, you know, I'm looking at the upcoming schedule and I'm seeing next week is the jets. The week after that, it's the giants. Then we have, you know, a, a game against the Eagles who just blew a game today to the Washington football team after being up 17, nothing. Then we have the dolphins who were just trash and then, you know, we have a Rams team who, you know, we typically tend to play. So we could end up coming out of this five and one. So one game is not the end of the world, but, you know, we, we had a winnable game and and they let it slip. And it was just poor play all the way around. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, no preseason games. The fact that this team doesn't tackle in training camp, I think, is a huge issue. Um, there were some mental lapses and it's just you know, an odd off season leading into it is going to lead to some weird things happening. So, you know, don't want to read too much into it, even though it kind of sucks. It, it, it sucks because just like you said there, they were so close. They had so many chances going down to the final offensive play. It was uh fourth and five, I believe on like the 16. And I don't know. I mean, it's always easier to call the play calls questionable on the other side of the field or the other side of, you know, when it doesn't work out, but it's like, that's the pass that you well, draw. Up. Jimmy was fucking late on that throw, though. By he the was way, very late. Jim, no, no, he, he was, was late. late. He was late on but a couple of throws today. Oh, right, yeah, he was, couple. and and like so that born throw in the end zone, it's just like fuck, dude. Like six inches higher. Yep. And it's a touchdown, yeah. you know. Yep. And it's just it's those little things that, like, you know, we hear about. Oh, Trent Taylor was this like star in training camp and stuff, and it's just like, where'd he go? Well, he wasn't. He wasn't a star on the field. He had two catches for seven <laughs> yards, like. I don't want to hear. And then Kyle Shanahan, I guess, came out and said that the game plan was to avoid the wide receivers because they were thin. And it's just like, <laughs> what kind of fucking game plan is that? Like, that's that's off my bullshit meter because I'm just like, yeah, listen, if you're if you're saying that you're going to purposefully take away the weapons that you do have and limit yourself, like, why would you do that? You know, yep. it's like not like it's not like, listen, Patrick Peterson hasn't been Pat Pete for like two years. Like, it's not like he's the super shutdown guy. You had to worry about Buda Baker who again went low on George Kittle. I mean, Buda Baker has like, the Cardinals have an obsession with George Kittle's knee, yep. it seems like. But Definitely. it's just like, listen, you are you know, Jimmy missed some throws for sure. I'm not going to like completely absolve Jimmy. Like there's no excuse for that. But at the same time, 
I didn't see those wide receivers doing a great job of fucking getting open either. So like all the no, way around, it was just sloppy from the play calling to the execution to the weapons that were on the field. You could tell they were missing a lot of guys on the interior offensive line and the wide receiving core and that they needed more time and preseason games to kind of get this stuff together, you know? When your running backs are lining up in wide receiver positions and making better plays than your actual wide receivers are, there is a big problem when it comes right. to that. And that does tell me that Shanahan can work his running backs very well, and he he does know how to use them in the system. But when you're coming in saying that, oh, we're thin at wide receiver, I didn't want to use them. But here you are, you have the guys, you have the guys that have proven to come through, and you still don't use them. That That's kind of what leads to concern for me. Yeah. What I think pissed me off the most is you know how thin you are at wide receiver. I have a hard time believing they didn't at least anticipate Ayuk not playing today. Even even if he did, it would have been on a snap count. They didn't call anybody up. They didn't sign anybody. Right. It's like then do something about it. You just go out there as is, and it's like, I mean, we're thin at receiver, so I guess we just won't use them. Exactly. Like that's and not that, going to work. That was the puzzling thing when John Lynch came out earlier in the week, like last week or whatever, and was like, oh, Muhammad Sanu, nah, we're good. And I'm like, why Why are you, Why are? do you think you're good? Like, yeah. you're exactly. bringing in all this other trash. You're bringing in J.J. Nelson. You're bringing in freaking Kevin White, you know, all these super trash receivers. You're not going to bring in a guy who has been proven to produce in the NFL who might not necessarily get along in the Belichick system, but maybe still offers you something in Muhammad Sanu, and you're not even going to take a look. That, to me, is it's just so head scratching and I, I don't get it. Um, so yeah, it's just, you're thin at wide receiver and you know, it, to me, they came in without a solid game plan. Like when you put Dante Pettis, you put Trent Taylor back there to return a punt. Then you put Dante Pettis back there and then you go right back to Taylor. You're, t- you're telling me you don't have a plan, you know? Um, it, that's just, it's, it's inexcusable. They came in sloppy. You know, I'm going to hear, we're going to hear all the stuff on Twitter about the Super Bowl hangover and all that. And I don't think it's that. I just think that Shanahan's system is like super complex and without proper lead up time, you're not going to be firing on all cylinders. But at the same time, I mean, you're professional. So at the end of the day, you got to do the shit you got to do. You know, again, Hopkins, 14 catches, no excuse for that. Yeah. You know, Murray yeah. getting over 100 yards rushing, no excuse for that. They did a great job in the first half of like spying him and making him you know slide and you know whatever and yeah the refs blew some calls let's i'm not gonna you know say that they didn't because they did like that that call on hider was terrible the Very. hold again or the the pi that should have been at worst a hold against oh, uh mosley yeah. i mean you're talking about bailing these guys out the the yep. call when kyler murray was in the end zone and it was like oh maybe that's grounding and then they turned it into a defensive hold and it's like yeah wait you're talking about k1 williams getting his jersey pulled up over his head by hopkins and that's on k1 like yeah on top of not a single holding call on one of the worst offensive lines in football from the arizona cardinals exactly bosa ford all those guys got held a monumentous amount of times and it was really frustrating those guys are still getting pressure don't get me wrong but again, to not have a single holding call against these guys, absolutely atrocious. 100%. Yeah. yeah. You know, what, what, what pissed me off the most real quick is these calls. And then the 49ers, like, uh, I don't want to say 49ers fans, other teams, fans, social media on Twitter will go out and say, oh, you guys are just going to cry the refs, you're just going to cry the refs. Well, when these calls are that bad, what else can you do but kind of sit there and laugh, scratch your well, head? And it's just it's it's sad. And what, what's messed up, real quick, Matt, is that it's not just the refs, but when no. you add it on to everything else that they have constantly been screwing themselves over throughout the day, it's right. just too much to overcome. Right. 
And and both things can be true at the same time. The 49ers can play down to their opponent and let a game slip out of their hands while the refs also don't do them any favors. Both things can be true. You know, the 49ers can screw the pooch and still have the refs kind of kind of screw them as well. Um, I know that Steve's in the chat and he's like, the 49ers receivers are what they are. KB is no better than the third down guy, like a chain mover, a three. And Pettis is just a guy. I agree. And that's why Debo and Ayuk being out, who would be our top two receivers being out, hurts us so much. And then, you know, the injury to Kittle, who's like, yeah, I'm good. But when he comes back and it's just like, He's not, not getting a separation, catch. not a single, single catch. catch after halftime. And, and yep. he was essentially a decoy. And so then the Cardinals defense is like, well, now we don't really have to worry about him. Now we can put Isaiah Simmons on him and just leave him there and then focus our attention elsewhere because Kittle's not going to do anything. He's not moving around the way that Kittle should. It'll be interesting to see what's wrong with Kittle. Um, it's not going to be an ACL or anything crazy like that. Um, you know, there was no like lateral force on it, in my medical opinion. The worry would be like maybe a bone contusion or maybe like a menis- small meniscus tear or something like that. But he definitely didn't look right. And as much as Kittle tries to be a gamer, I mean, it was he was essentially out there to block on running plays and and then be a decoy. So you know, it's just all the way around the the 49ers offense. So the defense initially, I thought, was playing really well. And then when the 49ers offense couldn't sustain drives, yep. and the Arizona Cardinals started upping the tempo. Then you start seeing the defense getting a little bit tired. And there were lapses. I will I will grant you that. There was that third down and 17 where Quan Alexander inexplicably had no idea where the line of scrimmage was and turned yep. around to follow the receiver, even though Kyler Murray was clearly past the line of scrimmage already yep. and, and could have saved that third down. Exactly. And so there were mistakes for sure. Um, but, you know, it, it's not the end of the world. It, it's a bad game. Like, you know, that's... It's frustrating for sure. Um, the block punt was frustrating. I mean, just yeah. that that whole stunt, which was a good design, by the way. But you know, Dante Johnson got blown up on on punt <laughs> protection, and it, you know, I mean, there were so many opportunities for the 49ers to take control. Zing Gonzalez missed two field goals. I mean, the, yeah. the Cardinals were given yeah. us field position, and they couldn't do anything with it. And I think that's you know, injuries played a big part, and and rust played a huge part. I think, and the team needs to really tighten it up. So that's a good point when you talk about rust like that. It almost felt like it wasn't just Jimmy Garoppolo who was rusty, but it was Kyle Shanahan also. The fourth down play calling was atrocious. The play calling in the second half was atrocious. And I get his quote-unquote thin at wide receiver excuse that I'm sorry, but that doesn't play well with me, man. You have these guys. You build your offense around these guys to help everyone succeed, and you can't get the ball moving. I get that it's the first game and you haven't played in a while, but you got to show me more than that, man. And we saw the creativity in the first quarter. And then ever since that fourth down stuff at first and short at the goal line, it just went downhill from there. And Mm -hmm. the Cardinals just, they were relentless. They were relentless the entire game. And this was one of those games where I thought the better team did lose. And that was the Niners. Yeah. But you got to figure that Shanahan's play calling overall was very, very inconsistent throughout the day. Absolutely. I mean, that third and two where he they did like the wheel route to McKinnon. I'm like, why are you throwing a wheel on third and two? Like, what are you doing? Right. right. That's not like for all the things that, you know, for all the things that we criticize Jimmy Garoppolo for. I mean, though, that's one of the things that's 
you know, those touch throws down the side, down the field to the sideline. That's one of the things that he's not particularly good at. And so to call that, I mean, why not line up in 21 personnel and run a play action play when you have like, I mean, Mostert had just been ripping off a couple of good runs and, you know, he's a threat in the pass game. You, you know, you had a, you know, a run or whatever, and you just fake to those guys and then maybe run Kittle on a drag across and it's two yards. I mean, there's just a lot of things that, we're head scratching with play calling and, you know, things like that. There was a third and three later where they called some weird play. Um, yeah, it's just not good overall. Um, real, real quick, while we're talking about everything, what were some things that you saw they actually did like? Because right now we're going over all the shit that pissed us off. Trent Williams is yeah. the real deal, dude. Trent Williams is absolutely the real deal. We saw that play in the middle of the field where he just blasted the linebacker five yeah. yards back. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> but overall, yeah. it felt like throughout the day, that left side of the line between Trent and Lakin held up very well for the most part. Lakin, is, he's a better run blocker than he is a pass protector, but I think he has taken good steps to work on pass protecting, and we kind of saw that today. The offensive line play was very inconsistent, but it did have its moments where Jimmy did have his time, and Jimmy just either hit a late throw, and there's kind of nothing you can do about that. But overall, I think the biggest takeaway, at least from the offensive side of the ball, was that the Trent Williams trade so far is already paying off. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think I think – Honestly, early in the game, and I know it was a little, it was early, but um, I really liked how much pressure uh, Nick Bosa was getting. I mean, he was eating dudes yeah. up, and it seemed like the the offense really started running away from Nick Bosa towards you know later in in the game. Um, but early on, I mean, he he didn't get any sacks, but he was right there a couple of times, and so you like to see that hustle. The defensive line overall did a pretty good job. Um, I know late again when. Arizona started picking up tempo and the offense couldn't sustain. You could see them getting gassed a little bit. Um, but overall, I thought the D line did a good job. I thought, uh, I thought Richard Sherman did a pretty good job. Um, again, it's one of those things where I'm like, after the NFC championship game in the Super Bowl, where you saw him get attacked, you know, hey, go after Sherman. But it seemed like Sherman w- did a pretty good job over on his side. That being said, I think Richard Sherman having a side is an issue. I would have liked to see Sherman travel and play with DeAndre Hopkins and use yeah. his veteran instincts to be able real, to – Real, real quick, he did play. move around today. I saw that we were reporting yeah, he did move yeah. around. Okay. And you got to figure, too, to speak on what Matt's talking about, they held Kyler Murray to 230 passing yards. And I got to admit, for a quote-unquote – On 40 attempts. On 40 attempts. 5.75 yards per attempt. Terrible. Very, That's a terrible – Awful. They, the secondary was good. Right. Uh, albeit against DeAndre Hopkins, which you have to figure they need to game plan better for. As a whole, the secondary did its job. Sometimes Hopkins will have that game and you have to adjust. And although they didn't adjust, yeah. you got to figure that the secondary was able to do what they were supposed to do. What? Yeah. What really killed. So Hopkins, like, listen, Mosley being on Hopkins, while not, it kind of exposes Mosley for being an undrafted guy. Because. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best. I mean, he's what top one, two receivers in football. So you're talking about either. I mean, you're talking about 
you know, Mosley, who's an undrafted free agent going against the top guy or whatever. And it kind of exposed Mosley for being still a work in progress, especially on those routes where it's like, okay, DeAndre Hopkins looks like he's going to run a go route and then he runs a comeback. And then all of a sudden Mosley's five or six yards off of Hopkins and Hopkins is making these catches and converting on second and eight or third and 10 or like whatever it was. And those were, you know, those were the, the areas where Mosley really got eaten up and that really hurt the 49ers. So, you know, again, you know, when you're talking about the two guys you got to look out for, Kyler Murray and and DeAndre Hopkins, and you just it, it almost seems like 14 catches, which is a career high for Hopkins. Like, did you forget about him? I mean, you know, <laughs> there was that one just, play. It wasn't where good. It was third and whatever, and Hopkins was wide open. And I even tweeted out, "Did the 49ers yeah. even know that Hopkins plays for the Cardinals? Because yeah. they weren't even looking at him. He went into the end zone virtually untouched, and it's just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, we have a question here that I want to get your guys' opinion on. What are your guys' thoughts on the interior O-line? There was a lot of talk garbage. about it. Garbage. <laughs> it was garbage. It was bad. Yeah. They couldn't yeah. run They couldn't run in between the tackles at all, so they were forced to run a lot of stretch plays. And, you know, one of the things that isn't really talked about in Kyle Shanahan's zone run scheme is, is the counter plays where the guard pulls. And mm-hmm. if you don't trust your interior O-line to make those plays, then you're not running those plays. And I didn't see any counters run today. Everything was, you know... Uh, either a one cut and go or a stretch play. And that really limited the offense because the Arizona defense has speed. And what you really want to do is you want to set the edge and set holes for, you know, gaps for the running backs to go through. They couldn't do any of that. Um, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't good. And if you can't run the ball and the threat of the run is not there, then, that, and, and you're limited on wide receiver that obviously limits your passing game too. So yeah. uh, it's a lot of different things that go and contribute to this. And it just turned into a kind of a clusterfuck overall. One thing I want to touch on was the, their biggest area of weakness was on third and fourth down. They were, I think two and 13 on third and fourth down, fourth down. And that's just, it's unacceptable for a team this good with as many pieces, you know, whatever, how, whatever you want to discount their injuries and, and Debo not being in there, that's fine. But there were still enough guys where they should have been converting at least 50% on third down. And they didn't even get their first third down until like, what, midway through the fourth quarter or something? Yeah, they right. started to have like that. It was, on, it was atrocious. Yeah. It was so bad. And, and, it's just like, come on, man. You guys got to be doing a little better than this. Right. And even with Kyle, I was expecting a little bit of a stronger play call, getting some more high percentage throws or you know runs in there. And they just, it just wasn't that. It was kind of like a free-for-all. It was almost like he just came out there and said, look, we're almost not going to win this game, so let's just do what we can to make it close. And, and yeah, there were some, some weird parts about that, too, where it seemed like he was kind of, okay, let's see what's going on here. Um, there were a couple of substitutions that looked really weird. Where it's just like, oh, okay, all of a sudden, you know, Kerry Hyder's getting heavy snaps, or like, oh, let's see, let's see what 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 Solomon Thomas is going to do on this and that. And listen, to Solomon Thomas's credit, he had a couple of really nice plays. He played um, well. The other area that the the 49ers really struggled in again, and we've been talking about this, I feel like for like ten years now, is red zone offense. Awful. You know, the the Awful. red zone offense. I mean, you're talking about, you know, you run. Uh, Raheem Mostert right into the middle of the defense on a fourth and goal when Jet McKinnon just had a 16-yard run to get them like right there. And you're telling me with, I mean, everybody talked about, oh, well, they have they have Kittle and they have Jordan Reed and they have Ross Dwelly and they got all these guys. And you're telling me that you're not going to run some play action or use Thank Kyle Juszczyk <laughs> or anything. You're just going to run straight into the middle where everybody thinks you're going to go and you're not going to mix it up. I mean, 
it, it, it felt very vanilla. It felt very laughable, vanilla. laughable. And then of course that leads to that third down penalty, which leads to, you know, the Cardinals kind of flipping that and, and turning it into, you know, an extended drive, which again, I don't think they got points on that drive. I think Gonzalez missed the field goal, but you're tiring out your defense by giving, by extending yep. drives like that. And exactly. you need to get the fuck off the field and you know, the offense isn't sustaining drives. So that defense needs as much time as it can get. And let's not forget, this is smoky conditions. The air quality was terrible in Santa Clara. So if you're not getting them off the field, I mean, you're looking at guys who are going to get blown up more than usual because the air quality sucks. You know, um, D Ford, who, where the fuck was he? He was nowhere. Like every time I saw him, it seemed like he was lined up kind of in the neutral zone. And I'm like, can you back up? Like back up. That's all. The only reason I noticed you is because you look like you're offsides, dude. Like back up. You know, he didn't look good. Um, I think that we really need to, if, if things don't change, we really need to explore what D Ford is going to be. Um, yeah, I think that's the reality you know, of it. Because right. I even saw a play where Robert Sala dropped D Ford into coverage, and I was like, if he's going to be a better defending linebacker than he is pass rusher, do what you need to do. <laughs> but overall, it felt like D Ford was non existent today. But I think yeah. we can move on to the positives a little bit. Like you said yeah. earlier, how about Nick Bosa, man? How about Nick Bosa? This guy is just out here making plays, pressuring Kyler Murray all damn day, getting held like he normally does. And, yeah, the box score won't show he had any sacks. But when you actually watch the game and look at the film, this guy's getting doubled and picked by running backs, and he's still getting after Kyler Murray all damn day. Yep. Yeah, he looked good. Um, another positive, I would say, is, you know, minus, again, minus DeAndre Hopkins. They like really. If you take DeAndre Hopkins out of it, I mean Kyler Murray basically threw it at nobody. Um, yeah. They had. I noticed that Kyler Murray was just sliding a lot. Like, just, okay, uh, I don't want to get hit. So no, I'm no. Down. Careful. And even uh, if you're not getting, uh, if you're not getting sacks, even you know, even him just sliding down, it's like, all right, that's a win. We'll we'll take that. But, you know, but the so thing they did, that they did a decent job. That is he kept diving into 49ers defenders, and then the second yeah. a little bit of a, you know, any Tiny sort of contact, contact. Up, you get up and go cry <laughs> to the refs, and more often than not, the refs are like, you're right, I'll throw a flag 15 <laughs> yards. And it's like, dude, if he's diving into them, what can they do to escape pressure? The, he's the first totally one I get. The first, the first one I get, the first one was kind of a penalty because, he, like, he was giving himself up, and then the yeah, defender yeah. – like Is Greenlaw, there was no Greenlaw should have just jumped right over him. Like there was no yep. need. You see him go feet yeah. first. You don't need to touch him down. He's down. He gives himself up automatically as soon as he goes feet first. That's it. He's down. The second one, even Dean Blandino came on and was like, "Eh, I don't really like that call." Yep. And at that point, it's just kind of like, you know, what do you expect? <laughs> what are you, What are you doing? What are you doing? So, you know, the first one I kind of get. The second one was complete horseshit, and you know, I wasn't happy about that. Um, just like I wasn't happy again that that pass inter pass interference on Mosley that was really a hold that completely I mean listen five yards okay whatever but like you're gonna give them like thirty yards on that penalty and it's just it's just a backbreaker so yeah just think of that swing right there it would have gone from either a safety or punting from the end zone and instead they got you know like you said like thirty yards it's like that's a huge swing. And a huge momentum swing because the 49ers could have gotten a stop. They could have actually got some points out of that. And instead, it's like, nope, mm -hmm. Cardinals are continuing their drive. They're going to keep driving. You're going to stay on the field. You're going to be gassed. It just it, – they got – you know, looking at the, the penalties here, 
the Cardinals actually had more penalties. They had nine penalties for 102 yards, and the Niners had 553. But it's the impact of these penalties that really killed the 49ers because it's what the penalties are. Yeah, and the timing of them as well. Exactly. They bailed out the Cardinals way too many times. So yeah, that pissed me off. So. On a plus side, listen, people are going to shit on Jimmy and this and this and that. I think Jimmy did a pretty decent job with with what he was working with. And I know he had a couple throws that weren't that great, but he was still, you know, he's still pretty accurate on the day. You know, he was 19 or 33 for 259 and two touchdowns. No picks. He got he got bailed out again. He threw some Jimmy balls that we all know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> um, but people are like really hammering him on that George Kittle throw. And it's like, well, Kendrick Bourne, first of all, with that block, Second of all, George Kittle caught the ball and was back on the ground when Buda Baker hit him. So, like, really, to me, that high throw is not a factor. It's one thing if you leave him and he's up in the air and Buda Baker just blasts him out of the air. But Kittle was there. His knee was flexed at, like, a 45-degree angle, and Buda Baker just hit him low, and his momentum carried in. If he would have been on the ground and Buda Baker hit him, it would have been the same thing. Um, overall, I thought Jimmy did a, a pretty decent job. He's still, again, he's still going to throw those fucking Jimmy throws that you hate. The, the one or two that you're just like, why are you throwing that? But, you know, there were, again, when, when it came down to it, other than that, that really that last throw to Taylor was just late. Yeah. But other than that, you know, and he missed again, there was a throw. He missed to Bourne. There was a throw to, to Mostert that he missed in the end zone. You, there were a couple of misses. But again, watch any quarterback play. There are missed throws and left opportunities on the field every week from every single quarterback, whether you're Patrick Mahomes or you're, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick. It doesn't matter. You're going to leave plays on the field. Jimmy overall, I thought, did a good job managing considering that he was down a couple wide receivers and had no interior offensive line. And you got to think of that. I got to push on it, too, is, yeah, you may be thin at wide receiver, but someone has to step up. Bourne sure. has to step up. Pettis has to step up. I know Taylor's missed time, but he's got to step up. This one. And Richie James has to step up, but he got hurt. So that team was down to three wide receivers at yep. a time when we could use more wide receivers. And don't even get me started on why C.J. Beathard still has a roster spot because that could have gone to another wide receiver. To another receiver, exactly. A crash can that could have made a difference. And yeah. you yep. got to figure, like you said, Jimmy will leave throws on the field. That happens. Yeah. But when you don't have confidence in your wide receivers because no one's going out there really trying right. to contest a ball and showing Jimmy that, hey, look, I'm here for you. I'm here to play with you. No one's yeah. doing that for him. And Jimmy has no reason but to throw to his running backs and tight ends. Yeah, and the perfect example of that was that deep throw to Dante Pettis where he was trying to throw Pettis open. And yep. Pettis had a chance to dive or like run at least. Listen, he has a path to the ball. He could run through the defender if he needs to. And, draw and Pettis just kind of like he didn't. He didn't. He didn't try. It looked like he just was like, oh, well, it's out of my reach. And Jimmy tried to throw him to the sideline because, the you know, the safety was playing over the top and the corner was too far outside. So there was a window there for Pettis and Pettis could have made a play on that ball. I'm looking at like, you know, I'm like freeze framing and I'm like, that ball is right fucking there. If you just it was close jump or dive or do something. Draw and some kind of contact to... from the safety because that could have been a penalty. Or draw also, contact and hold for a flag. Exactly. Right. You, yeah. There's a lot of things that you can do. And it's one of those things where you're just like, this is what our problem is with Dante Pettis. He's not that competitive dude. Where if yep. it was like, if that was Debo Samuel, you don't think Debo Samuel would have died for that ball? 100% he he done everything could to catch that ball. He would have done everything he could have yeah. to get that ball. And and it's the difference between a guy who's willing to go out there, put his body on the line, and really is a dog for that team versus somebody like Dante Pettis, who's a little pity pitter-patter guy who will run some 
beautiful routes for sure. Has great feet, sure, but he's not a competitor. And I think when, when is... that when that happened, my first thought was when I interviewed Kyle Posey, and he said the you know joke around camp is he doesn't he doesn't go up for, against contact. If there's any sort of contact, Dante's not catching that ball. Dante's not trying to catch that ball, and there wasn't right. even any contact there. That's what just completely amazed me. It's like you could have tried, and then imagine the narrative right now if Dante caught that ball. Right. Dante's yeah. back. Yeah. Dante, you know, he's re- right. the redemption arc has begun. And instead, it's like, man, more of the same shit from Dante. Steve said right. in the chat, too, Pettis didn't get a single target after that. I think that goes a long way right. also between building Did he, did he have any catches? Yeah. No. I don't think Dante caught a single pass, which is par for the course for him. You know, it, it, which is it's so strange, too, because on that punt return, he takes a dangerous punt return with a guy right in his fucking face and then takes contact on the punt return. But he's not going to die for that throw. It's so weird, man. Like, he's Very backwards. Just, I'm so puzzled by Dante Pettis and his mindset. I just can't, you know, and he's like, oh, well, I learned from Shanahan and everybody being hard on me. And I had to look at whatever, whatever. I mean, that's all talk. Show us Dude, on the you field. Are a football like, make a player. player. You are a football player out there. There's no room for soft players. I'm sorry. No. All right, quick question. Quick question. What are your thoughts on Jarek McKinnon? Awesome. That was his return. He looked good. Awesome. He, looked he looked pretty good, good right? Good. Yeah. Yeah. There, okay. So, so that tip drill that he should have caught that pass. I know it was like uh, they're going to say, oh, it was a little behind him, but it literally was center mass on top of his helmet. Like he let it go through. That being said, other than that, man. He looked nice. He had a couple of really good runs. He had some receptions that were really nice. I mean, he looks he looks healthy. He looks fast. He looks agile. I think he's going to be a huge part of this offense going forward. So I'm excited to see them work him into it more often. And, you know, once everybody's back, I mean, this team, when they're healthy, has so many weapons. You oh, know, yeah. it's going to be really nice. But, uh, you know, he looked good today. I thought he did a really good job. Him and Mostert, I mean, essentially carried the team as far as uh, as offensive production goes, you know? It almost makes you wonder if you feel like a running back is going to lead the team in receptions this year or or crazy Maybe. to say, but even passing yards, you never know. Obviously, we got to see what we're going to get out of Debo and Ayuk, and this will change yeah. our opinions entirely. But right now, obviously, as a show, the running backs are going to take this offense by storm. I'll and say that's this. Both good and bad. Yeah, I'll say this. Tevin Coleman, to me, is a clear number three running back. Like, uh, to me... Tevin Coleman is like, uh, okay, maybe we use him on spots here and there. But to me, it's Mostert and McKinnon are the guys. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, that, yeah. that's the guys that you're going to look for. So, yeah, uh, Iron Plant 45 says, definitely look, defensive was too tired. Yeah, th- w- when the offense can't sustain drives and you're playing yeah. in smoky conditions with an offense like Arizona that's going to go no huddle and, and it's fast, yeah, you're going to get tired. I mean, and that's 100% because the first two quarters, the 49ers defense was locking them up. You know, they had, a, I mean, it was 13-10 at halftime, but seven of those points came off that block punt, which put them oh, in yeah. the red zone. So sure, other yeah. than that, they didn't do shit. So The, the you Cardinals know. had the ball for 31 and a half minutes this game. The Niners had it for yep. 28 and a half. But the second half just felt like Cardinals football. That's I'd like, all I'd all like to see the split. I'd like to see the split of, of yeah. Cardinals time of possession in the first I'm half sure versus huge. the second half. Because I'm sure the disparity is gigantic. No doubt. It was, yeah, the first half they had the ball for the majority, definitely. I think that that long drive in the fourth quarter helped the 49ers a lot because mm-hmm. up until that point, they, it seemed like no matter what I was watching, it was the Cardinals on the field. No matter what time it was Cardinals, 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 the 49ers yeah. couldn't get the ball back, save their lives. Well, and I think it's, I think it's really important to not get caught up in the result and look at the process. So, you know, the four, the, the Cardinals go up, it's, it's 17 to 13. 
and the 49ers have an extended drive and take the lead 20 to 17. The Cardinals come back and obviously, you know, defense again is gassed at that point. So, okay, we're at 24-20 Cardinals or whatever. The offense goes on another extended drive in crunch time to get, you know, close to the red zone and it didn't happen, but you know, it, it shows a lot of promise that, Hey, like even down personnel, when it came to, you know, nut cut oh, time, yeah, like the, no the team was able to extend some yeah. drives and you just want mm -hmm. to see that extended over the course of the game. You can't, you know, it's like almost like complacency set in at the end of the first quarter, early second quarter, where they're just like, okay, we got this, we got this angle route to Mostert who took it to the house, 76 yards. Great. We got another field goal. Great. We're playing really well. Cardinals can't do shit against us. So now all of a sudden it's just like, well, okay, we got this in the bag. And then all of a sudden you're not extending drives. And now all of a sudden the Cardinals are making a little bit of plays and, and it kind of snowballs from there. They have to keep their foot on the gas the whole time, no matter what. So next week, I'd, I'd really like to see them. Honestly, they need to stomp the Jets. I'm, I'm talking like two, three touchdown win. You yeah. know, this needs to be Minimum. a shellacking. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm sure Ch Shanahan is going to get in there and chew their asses. The oh, that's what I was talking about. I was going to say that. They're going yeah. yeah. to get dunked on the whole week. Yep. And that needs to show out for the Jets and then into the Giants because you got a two two game stand in New York slash New Jersey where you're going to be in Virginia, I believe for, for two weeks and you're not going to be on your home turf and it's not going to be comfortable. And you're going to have the, the specter of that loss hanging over your head. So, you know, I, I expect this team to come out hard next week and we're going to see, you know, everybody's talking about the Super Bowl hangover. Now I, I'm not worried about that. Now I want to see what happens in the next couple weeks before I get worried about that. So I expect them to come out and, you know, just boat race the, the New York teams. What, what pissed me off too, is that, we heard for seven months now, revenge, revenge. revenge. We're yep. so hyped. We can't wait to get back. We're going to you know, beat the snot out of all these teams. Yep. And that's the product you put on this field. And then you it's like a joke. <laughs> it's a goddamn like. Did you guys forget that football started today? Because yeah. you went out there and didn't do anything. You you completely just you pissed the bed. I mean, they're sitting out there looking like crap. And you know the offense couldn't sustain drives. The defense right. was completely Special teams can do anything. You let a blocked punt get the Cardinals the complete momentum to start the game. And it's just like, come on, man. Just just come on. You gotta do better than that. Yeah. You gotta put a better yeah, product and, out there. And, yeah, they talk about revenge tour, but then we see, you know, Kansas City come out and essentially dominate the Texans. And, yep. we, and, and then we see season. we see Baltimore come out and just dunk all over the Browns, Browns. today. <laughs> and it's just like you're talking about revenge, like you're gonna get back to the Super Bowl, you know, but if you don't take care of business on these division games and, and the games that are totally winnable, and if you're going to give these away, you're not going to get back to the Super Bowl. You're going to be a wild card team who gets beat by somebody else and you're going to be gone. And so I think this is really good early in the season to kind of adjust their mentality, adjust their mindset and be like, hey, look, just because you went to the Super Bowl last year doesn't mean it's a given you're going to get back to even the playoffs. We saw what happened with the Los Angeles Rams. You know, they missed the playoffs last year. You know, so the, the it's very important for the 49ers to get their heads on right. Otherwise, it's going to be a long season. And, you know, this team is too talented to let mental shit get in the way. And and so I hope that they can grow from this. And they, and they seem to, if anything's on record from last year, they seem to grow from adversity and they seem to learn from their mistakes. So I expect, again, I expect them to come out and just beat the snot out of the two New York teams and come back home for a primetime game against the Eagles. And then by then, I'm guessing that both Ayuk and 
Samuel will be back along with, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, I think Garland, Garland's out there today, right? Who we, no, no Ben, Gar- ben Garland, what's Garland will be maybe back Garland too. will be back. Um, you know, and again, after six weeks, we're talking maybe five and one. Cause you're looking at again, jets, giants, both should win those games. hundred percent. Then you're looking at the Eagles who blew a lead to the Washington team today. Who infinitely winnable game? Then you're playing the Trash Dolphins. You should beat the Trash Dolphins. And by that time, two six weeks in, we get Weston Richburg back. Weston Richburg will be back, and now you have now you're starting to gather some health. Health, and you should see this team at full strength and see what they can do. And now it's like, okay, we're five. You know, potentially five and one. We're off to the races. Uh, You know, then we see, hey, we're going to see Seattle twice. We're going to see Arizona later in the year. And let's see what happens if we're in our full one mentally straight, two physically straight, and we're going to see where the chips are, and and hopefully they can get back there. Because to me, the NFC. I mean, I looked at you know because I I was keeping an eye on Saints Bucks today. Neither of those teams seem like a Super Bowl team to me. No, I mean, Drew Brees, Drew Brees and Tom Brady might as well be Ish. playing football with walkers. Man, they look old. <laughs> and they look, it's the only- not a good look. Yeah, let's speak on Seattle a little bit, though, man. Seattle just washed Atlanta today. And, see, yeah, Atlanta might not be at what they once was, but at some point, these division games, winning and losing them is going to be huge. And those those yeah. NFC West tiebreakers could come into a factor once again if we have to play yeah. Seattle for a winning game. And, Seattle, and Seattle, to me, Seattle, to me, is the team that, that we really need to look out for. I'm not worried about the Packers. The Packers are still too finesse. I'm not, like, I mean. Jordan Love? They, You're not worried about Jordan Love? No, not at all. <laughs> he's not even carrying the clipboard. I don't. I doubt he's even dressing. <laughs> at this point, I'd worry about Trubisky more than love. How about Trubisky? <laughs> oh boy! Listen, even the, even the sun shines on a dog's ass every now and again. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, but the, to me, the NFC is wide open. It's San Francisco's it for the taking, but they have to keep their heads screwed on straight. You know what I mean? Yep. So, real quick. Um, how much was Debo's presence missed today? Like a ton, right? Like you can't, it can't a even ton, be stated how ton. much they missed him. A ton the because the 49ers likely knew he was not going to be playing until week four. And what did they do? That's what I keep going back to. What did they do to counter that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. nothing. Stood past. Nothing. And I told like you, I, I told you on the show too, I said week four for Debo Samuel. You and did, now he's yeah. on IR and he's going to he's going to miss at least 3 games. I'm guessing for the Eagles game he'll be back. But this thing of like, oh, we're going to have this summit on Tuesday before the game to determine is he going to play and Debo's like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm I'm out there. I'm ready to go." <laughs> then he gets IR. Well, no, you're not you're not ready to go. <laughs> you're not Do ready you, to go. So that leads into a good point too. Do you think the door is open for the team to add another wide receiver to the room because obviously the they guys won't. that played today No, they won't. They yeah. should, but they won't. They, they should, should, but they yeah. won't. They're going to roll with the guys that think, oh, well, Trent Taylor, he'll be better next week. Oh, Dante Pettis, he'll be better next week. KB, he's working all offseason. He's working hard, this and this, that. Offseason highlight guys, videos. Yeah, you miss guys like Debo Samuel because Debo Samuel being so good gets other guys open. Yep. Just oh, like yeah, George yeah. Kittle. When George Kittle is 100% healthy, he gets other people open because everybody's focusing on those guys. If you can get Kittle and Debo out there at the same time, every, you're going to see – Everybody else is going to benefit from that because everybody else is going to start getting open again. Um, one of the things that I thought that they should have done more was go more to Juszczyk. I think Juszczyk got two car- two touches today. He got a carry on a on a fullback dive, and then he had that 
that nice fullback catch. wheel route, he had a nice yeah. catch in man coverage, and it, you know, Jimmy missed him on one of those the first time too. the way you should. You know, and and I think yeah. he's a weapon, especially if Kittle's going to be a little hobbled up and not, you know, looking, you know, not looking as good as he should, as far as, uh, you know, being able to actually separate with the knee. You got to use use check. I mean, we've seen how versatile he can be. There was another play where he was like wide open or whatever, and the interior blocking yeah. was so bad that Jimmy didn't even have time. It was yeah. that same. It was that same. Uh, that that play action route where you know you check goes out, out, yeah, rolls, leaked, out rolls out, rolls out. He leaks across the formation and goes up the sideline, and they didn't have time to get it to him because the interior blocking was so bad that Jimmy couldn't throw. And you know he wanted to, um, but he couldn't get there. You know, so I think Yushek needs to be utilized more in the interim. But man, once they can get, and I'm excited to see Ayuk too because I think Ayuk is going to be a player. So if we can get Debo and Ayuk back, I mean Ayuk, I expect to be back if not next week, then definitely against the Giants in Week Three. But I mean, they, yeah, they they have to do something. And yes, Steve says they should be on the phone with Sanu. They should have been on the phone with Sanu. They should have yeah. as soon as Sanu became available, and they were trying to bring in this trash like JJ Nelson. They should have had Kevin Sunil White, in here. Tavon Austin. Right. <laughs> exactly. All the, all this garbage. They should have brought him in. So there's no excuse for that. It, and it's just, it's one of those things where it's just like, you love that Shanahan is this genius and you love that John Lynch is like confident in Shanahan and stuff. But it's just, you know, sometimes where you're just like, man, you guys might be a little up your own ass and you need to bring in, you know, it's one of those things where you think you're too smart for the room and it's just like, no, you need bodies, man. You need people who are going to contribute. At least take a look. Kick the tires on a guy. You're bringing in Ziggy Ansa again in a position of strength where the defensive line didn't play terrible today. Yeah. You're no, bringing in a guy no. like Ziggy Ansa. Why, why don't you have Muhammad Sanu coming in or anybody like that? You know what I mean? Like, you're too smart for the room. And it's because Shanahan's like, well, I know offense. And it's just like, well, okay, that's fine. But you can bring in a guy to, to potentially help out the team. You know, so they definitely need help at wide receiver because that group is is really thin right now. Now, quick question for you guys. And we all knew going into this year it was going to take some time for Kinlaw to develop and yep. fill into those big shoes Buckner left. But are you concerned at all from what you saw from him today? Because that defensive no. line in the interior really couple, didn't do He had much. a couple of good uh, block shed and pass rush moves today where, yeah. albeit uh, the Cardinals' interior line is weak also, but you just want to see progress from Kinlaw. And everyone yeah. knew that this defensive line was going to miss Buckner, and I think we did miss him today. But overall, it felt like along with Kinlaw, that entire rotation – they made their money today. DJ Jones had a nice pressure. I think he had a sack. Kerry yep. Hyder had a nice sack. Hyder well. had a sack. Yep. Yeah. So the interior is doing their job. And like I said, they missed Buckner, but there was good progress from Kinlaw today. Right. Where he did beat some blocks. And you can't go wrong with that. And and I would also caution, listen, Daniel Jones is not Kyler Murray. Sam Darnold is not Kyler Murray. Pocket passers. They're what going to get on pocket passers. Yep. They struggle against those mobile quarterbacks. It happened last year with Lamar yep. Jackson. It happens every year with Russell Wilson. We've seen this for years with Russell Wilson. You know, it's that thing of like, if the quarterback can make plays with their feet, the 49ers defense is going to struggle because what they want to do is pin their ears back and put pressure and collapse a pocket on somebody. But if they, they're able to step up in the pocket or are able to get away initially, then obviously that's going to cause problems, you know? So looking think, a little further think, ahead to Matt, I got a comment. Yeah. Washington Redskins, their defensive line is arguably the best in football the today. The, <laughs> the Washington football team. The Washington there football team. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Sorry, cut me off. Boo. They, <laughs> they sacked Carson Wentz eight times today. 
eight. Eight times. The Niners, like you just said, they got Danny Jones. Well, they okay, let's, let's, wait, let's wait, relax. Wait, wait, let's relax. Wait, wait, wait. Let's relax. Hold I'm on, calling them. The, they had eight sacks, but <laughs> the Eagles, none, the Eagles line is injured. Nonetheless, the team is in a very good position for their defensive line to go out there and make pressure and, and make plays and things like that. And that's what they're going to do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. So the Eagles have a compromised line. I think um, Lane John, uh, who who's who got injured for them for the Brandon year? Brandon Brooks is out for the year. Brandon Brooks, that's what it was. He he like tore his Achilles or something like that. Um, you know, their their line is getting old. Carson Wentz is not as decisive with the ball as he should be at this point in his career. Um, I think this is about the point where you're just like, well, what is Carson Wentz really going to be other than an oft injured, maybe upper third? NFL quarterback, but nobody great. He's, you know, same tier as I put, you know, somebody like Dak Prescott, who's like, yeah, he's a good quarterback, you know, but what's he going to do? By the way, Jimmy is dangerously close to getting into that category too. You know, I give him the benefit of the doubt because he hasn't played as much, but, you know, there's, he's on a short leash at this point. This is the year that it's I, like, I, it's, yeah. I agree. This is the contract year for him, by the way. This is a con- technically a contract year because they could cut their yeah, losses and not lose much at all. They could get out yeah. barely anything. And yeah, I get it. We can make all these excuses about the wide receivers and guys getting hurt. But when you are paying Garoppolo, obviously not good money now, but when you are paying the guy to be the guy, we got to see that from him. And, yeah. and quite frankly, we've seen him have these stretches of games where it's like, this is the guy. But then you go up there today and you do miss on some throws and you do go out there and lay an egg and all of a sudden you got a question, can he can he beat the guy consistently? Right. Yeah, you want to see that growth. And I think this truncated offseason does the entire offense a little bit of a disservice. You know, you want to work out some of those kinks and, you know, people I, – I saw somebody on Twitter was like, the last time I saw him this bad was in that preseason game against the Broncos. And it's like, well, fucking, yeah, you want to see preseason games. Like that's the time to install stuff and look at stuff. And you've seen that like really a lot of the guys that did really well today were the athletic quarterbacks. You're looking at Lamar Jackson did well today. Josh Allen did well today. Kyler Murray had, you know, success running the ball. And you're looking at these guys, you know, who struggled. The guys who run the intricate offenses or the guys who are trying to learn a complicated offense. The people like Tom Brady struggled today. You know, Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers struggled today. Baker Mayfield struggled today. You know, people with the more intricate need, you know, you need rhythm. You need to, you know, do that. But I think those offenses are going to catch up, you know, notwithstanding Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is generational talent, but, you know, a lot of the quarterbacks that you would think, oh, they're, they're precision guys, they're rhythm guys, they run a complicated system or whatever. A lot of those guys struggled today, and it was really the athletic guys and the guys with the overwhelming physical talent that really took over. So who knows what's going to happen in the future, but you know, I, I, give it time. You know, Not every defense is going to be as fast as, as the Cardinals' defense was, and not every team is going to be you know, uh, as, as mobile as the Cardinals' offense is. Yes, because that, that's the main thing is – the 49ers, like you guys said earlier, they struggle against mobile quarterbacks. They did last season. Nothing looks like – it doesn't look like anything has changed this season. And uh, this comment from Thomas, they came in thinking they had a win already. It was a wake-up call, terrible on both sides of the ball. Refereeing could have been better, but it wouldn't have changed anything. I think that's true. I think they did come in today thinking they had this game in the bag. Um, I yeah. think they thought, look, we beat this team twice last last year, not remembering that both 
games were down to the wire and they could have easily have lost both games and they come in injured. They come out flat. They don't come out with any sort of intensity. They never right. had a spark to get going. They didn't take advantage of any of the momentum shifts that, that the game presented them. And that's what right. you get. You get a, a piss poor product and you start off the season one and oh, Seattle won. Uh, the Cardinals just won. If the Rams win right now, then they're in sole possession of the last place in the division. And yep. it, 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 you know, they already start off the season in a hole, which is like the worst way to start the year, given that you're in arguably the toughest division in the NFL. Right. Right. Do you guys think that they, they, they had this game in the bag? They woke up thinking that. Um, I don't know if they, they had the game in the bag necessarily. Um, I think they, they felt like they were going to, it's hard to say. I think that they're still coming off of like, hey, we're a Super Bowl team. You know what I mean? Yep. So right, right, right. When, and when then when you open, off like when that. You open the game like they did too today, I mean, you're going to be on your high high ass horse thinking, you know, we got this in the bag. We just we just drove on the Cardinals like it was nothing. And then obviously they blocked the punt, but they still make some great defensive plays. And then that that intensity just dives down entirely. And you saw it. You just kind of saw that the confidence of the team just mm-hmm. went down. That's a good thing. That's a good point too, Anthony, because you know, they come out and although they were only able to get a field goal on their opening drive, they follow it up with that touchdown uh, to Moster who takes it all the way in for the score. And they're probably thinking, damn, we're pretty good. We could have been 14 to zero right now, but we'll take 10 to zero and go from here, but you can't get complacent. You know, no team in the NFL. Can you just fall asleep on? And especially a team that played you as tough as the Cardinals did last year it's just it's not a good look and to come out that flat you know like i said earlier in, in the show when for seven months now we've been talking hearing about how motivated they Revenge are tour. how they're ready Revenge to get tour. back and, yeah so it's just like then show it if you guys are this motivated if you learned from those mistakes if you're ready to get back to the super bowl and each of these games if, if weeks one through 17 are just another you know stepping stone to get to where you actually want to go which is the super bowl then you got to show it you can't fall asleep yep. for those weeks because you're not going to end up anywhere. You're going to miss the playoffs and you're going to be the laughing stock of the NFL and another team who had a Super Bowl hangover who didn't do shit the next year. So right. they really need to step yep. it up. Yeah, and and you know, today was a perfect example of why I really pined for the 49ers to re-sign Emmanuel Sanders because he would have yep. made such a huge difference today if not with an overwhelming number of catches yards just with a veteran presence and the ability to draw the attention of a defense. And, you know, it, it, we gave him a three and a four for him last year, and we got nothing in return. He just left. And I know that we had other areas of need that we needed to resign and, you know, X, Y, Z, but having that veteran presence would have helped out today. And I think that's why we're missing Debo so much and Ayuk so much. And, you know, again, this is a game of yards and inches and whatever. And it's just like, you know, when you're worried about that kind of stuff. It's the, uh, you know, it's the in-game adjustments that, that really got to me too, is that we didn't, we didn't see yeah. those adjustments. And we saw, especially in the fourth quarter too, we saw a good amount of coverages by the defense where it's like, here you go. And Quan Alexander is busting plays and can't stop Kyler Murray, who on Kyler Murray's last scramble, albeit I thought Quan was held, he was the spy on that play. You got to go after Kyler and contain him to the best of your ability. And overall, it looked like Quan was one of the rustiest defensive players on the day outside of D4. This guy was missing tackles. He was blowing plays. And it was those kind of adjustments that you need to see that the team just simply didn't do, especially on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I think so for me, Quan, a lot of his stuff, I mean, he played so much injured last year 
um, that, you know, and he had the, obviously he had the surgeries or whatever after the Super Bowl that, that he's one of the guys that I really think not having a preseason does a disservice to because your mm-hmm. timing and your recognition and you're just being out there instead of, I feel like Quan was definitely, he's an athletic guy. And I think a lot of his focus was on, you know, athletic, getting his athleticism back, being able to recognize and, and be able to have his strength back. And, you know, so recognition, play recognition, being able to, again, that third and 17 where he didn't know where the line of scrimmage was. That's all like small mental yeah. errors that you get as you rep, as you do all this stuff. But we're talking about no OTAs. We're talking about limited preseason. Quan looked really bad today. And and that's not to say that he's a bad player because we all know that he's not. I mean, it's really easy to forget that through until he got hurt against the Cardinals last year, he didn't miss a single tackle for those games. Oh, you know, he didn't excellent. miss a single thing. He was excellent. So, you know, I mean, even even on the the touchdown pass uh, that that Murray had to Edwards, I think it was. Um, I, listen, Quan Alexander hauled his ass across the field to try to break that up, and he looked very athletic. And so, when you're out of practice and you're rusty and you're coming back from an injury and you don't have those mental reps down, it's going to take time. So, while he played very bad, and I'm not going to excuse his bad play, I think that in the coming weeks he should improve on that. So, I'd expect him to look a lot better going forward. Yeah, same here because. There was a time where he did look like the worst linebacker for the 49ers out there. Drake Greenlaw looked better than him. Fred Warner looked better than him. And there were so many times where it's like, Quan, what are you doing? What are you looking at? What what line are you going off of in your head? What do you think they are? Because yeah. you would just you would stare at Kyler running past the line of scrimmage while he's still backdropping into coverage. And it's like, dude, go hit him. He just got a, th- yeah. a first down on a third and 17. Are you when they converted that? I'm like, there's no chance. There's no chance this defense will stop Kyler to save their right. life because no matter what they did, Kyler was running around there, scurrying, scurrying, sliding, drawing penalties, and they just didn't have an answer for him. I was hoping there would be some, you know, those famous uh, halftime adjustments and the 49ers would be able to come out and play differently against Kyler and his his damn scrambles, but they didn't do anything. They just let him keep cooking. They let him keep, you know, running. And no matter what they did, he just kept getting first downs, kept getting touchdowns. Yeah. So they didn't really. And I saw I saw a lot of bad angles out there too, which oh, again oh, yeah. is one of those yeah. things where where the more you rep, the better angles you're going to take. Because again, it takes time to get used to. Okay, you can run out there and you can run routes and you can do X Y. You know, you can you can. Okay, well I'm I'm defending routes on a practice field with nobody around, but when you have a bunch of guys going around and you have to drop one guy to go get another and you have to take that angle, that's not something you typically can scrimmage for or whatever. So that takes time to really get used to. So, you know, again, that's something, again, going forward, they have the opportunity against really poor teams coming up to rectify some of that stuff and really build momentum against uh, an awful Giants team and an awful Jets team you know, going forward that they should be able to uh, really, you know, kind of tighten up against because this was the first time, one time last year, they gave up more than 400 yards for an opposing team's offense. And it was in that 48-46 win against the Saints. And the Cardinals had over 400 yards of offense today. So, you know, you you have to assume they're going to tighten that up. 
you you would you would hope that they would tighten that up. If not, then we have a lot of questions going forward, and we have a lot of people that we're going to look at and say, "Hey, what's your future here?" You know, um, Quan oh, yeah. really needs to clean it up, or Quan's going to be gone. D Ford, if D Ford can't stay on the field and stay healthy, then paying him eighty eight million dollars for the next, you know, whatever doesn't make any sense. You know, the corners for all things considered, I thought they did a pretty good job today, despite being super thin. Um, I don't do, do you guys. I don't remember hearing Akella Witherspoon's name at all. Um, I no, don't know if he even played. Mosley's out there over him. Right. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, the, I, I mean, I guess that's good that we. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think Witherspoon's gone. I think Sherman's going to be gone. I think Mosley will retain. Um, Quan K1 Williams will try to retain. Verrett is such a coin flip. There's so many things going on um, that, you know, really, uh, you know, you, you just, to all things considered, I thought they did a decent job. Minus, I guess, minus forgetting fucking DeAndre Hopkins, 14 catches. <laughs> Son of a bitch. We have a, uh, we have a super chat here and uh, hilarious name, by the way. But uh, what do you guys want to see the 49ers improve on next week? Hung fat. Yeah, that's me every day. <laughs> yeah go ahead zach what, what do you want to see them um, on? i want to see them improve on their third down conversions because if you can't move the ball on third down you can't do shit in the nfl so if you keep improving on these third downs and i'd like to at least see them at 50 percent, then i would be a lot happier even if they lost because it's like man if you keep you know having to punt on third down third down third down you're not moving the ball. You're not sustaining drives. You're not giving your defense a rest. You're not wearing out the opposing defense. There's so many factors that goes into not converting on third downs. So I would really, really like to see them improve there. Matt, what do you got? Um, I'd like to see them improve their mental focus because I think a lot of the mistakes that they made today were a mental nature. It wasn't as, it wasn't necessarily Arizona imposing their will on the 49ers as much as the 49ers just being like, la, 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 and, you yeah. know, fucking up. So you have to clean up those mental that mental aspect of the game and you really have to figure out, you know, hey, if you're running a three-step drop and you're going to throw the ball, throw the ball. Don't do that like super 720 twist around that Jimmy did and, and you know, figure it out. And that goes for Kyle Shanahan too. Figure out your play calls, be decisive, make good decisions when you, when you're in the game and and take down distance and situation into account when you're calling plays. Um, everybody needs to step up their mental focus for the game. And if they can do that, then they'll be fine. Anthony, what do you got? I think what they got to improve on, and I'm going to look at the bigger picture of this. I want Kyle Shanahan's red zone play calling to be the difference. Time and time again, like Matt said, the, the red zone play calling since Shanahan has come in here has been atrocious. And they have times like today where we saw a great pick play from Kittle and Juszczyk mm-hmm. where McKinnon caught it out in the flat and scored. I want to see more of that kind of stuff. Kyle Shanahan, you are one of the most innovative and creative offensive mindsets in the entire football league. And yet we have one of the worst red zone offenses in football. I don't care who your playmakers are, man. You got to find a way to get these guys open somehow. And I get it. Kyle Shanahan thrives in the middle of the field. That's where he makes his money. The middle of the field from 20 to 20. But from once you get from 20 to end zone, that's when the game changes entirely. And you got to have a game yeah. plan for the red zone. And time and time again, it feels like Kyle Shanahan's red zone play calling is way too passive. It is absolutely he gets too, too Well, passive. he gets too cute, too. He gets too yeah, cute sometimes. Yeah. Where he's just, he outthinks himself. And we saw this in the Super Bowl where yep. he just outcoaches himself. Yes. You know, where he's just yeah. like, like, again, 
third and two. Why the fuck are you running a wheel route? Like, yep. why? There's fourth no and short. reason. Why are you why... stuffing Mostert up the middle? Right. Yep. Fourth, fourth and goal. You're just going to run a halfback dive right into the teeth of the defense. Again, it's that thing where he thinks he knows better than everybody else. And at, at some point, you just got to, he needs somebody that can, you know, maybe that's something to look into, but he needs somebody that's going to be like, hey, coach, maybe, maybe this. Yeah. Hey, hey, and maybe, have enough uh, stroke to convince him to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, Anthony and I have talked about this on the Red, Red and Gold Snatter podcast, where I've said it even going back to last year. He out coaches himself, just like Matt said. It's like he he he's out thinking somebody so much that he then has to outthink that mindset. It's like no, just get the damn play call in. Chances are you're probably right. What you think initially, right. you're probably corrected. You have a fantastic football mind. You know this offense inside and out. It's your offense. Call the damn play and run with it and stick with it instead of you know, you know, changing it again. And then, Oh no, actually that might work, but I'm going to go with this, which has, you know, might work also. It's like, no, just, just fucking do it, man. Just fucking do exactly. it because you're getting cute and it's not working. You're getting cute and it's not cute. That, that's that's right. all I got to say. Yeah. And, and so there's Steve's asking in the chat, do they miss Buckner? And that's a question that I have. Do you think that the 49ers missed the Forrest Buckner? Me personally, I don't. I thought the defensive line played pretty well, all things considered. Again, even last year, the 49ers defensive line struggled against mobile quarterbacks um, with Buckner here or not. Um, I think that that Kinlaw is going to be a work in progress, and I think he'll get better as the season progresses. But I think that really a lot of the defensive woes were offensive woes in disguise because the defense got tired. What do you guys think? I think right the team misses Buckner. I like I said earlier, I like that the other guys are getting their their playing time in because Solomon Thomas looked pretty good today. Ken Law has some nice plays, Givens and DJ Jones, obviously. So the interior wasn't bad, but the key cog to that success last season was having Buckner out there. And I, I'm not gonna lie, guys, I didn't see much of Armstead today. And some people no, are gonna call true. him to the factor of well, should that extension have gone to Buckner instead of Armstead? And we can play that game all we want. But the point being is that Buckner was like, he was kind of the anchor of the interior. And like Matt said, Kinlaw will progress and he will get better because he flashed very well today. But right right now, oh, as of right now. That fucking word flashed. <laughs> for, I hate that goddamn being, word. For, for a win now team that has Super Bowl aspirations, this team misses Buckner. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I agree. I do think that they missed Buckner. Um, but I think they missed him right now. Uh, give it a couple of weeks. I don't think they will miss him very soon. I just think that as of right now, they went into this season probably expecting that sort of production. Maybe not expecting, but hoping for that sort of production week one when that's just not how it works. So I don't know. I feel like yeah. they there was a lot of rotations today on that defensive line, which the 49ers usually don't do. It's usually pretty solid uh and you know besides uh kind of wear and tear rotations but there was like just rotations like they were scheduled today so i don't know i think they were and i think they were trying to play that interior line almost like by committee it was like you know okay now now hider's in now givens is in now kinlaw's in and it's like you know i think they miss buckner but like i said i don't think they will give it a couple weeks so i, I, I think they i think they missed offensive personnel more i think they oh, missed yeah, offensive definitely. health more um, oh, yeah, I th- no again, doubt. I think if an offense can sustain drives like they're supposed to, like we would expect them to, then the defense wouldn't be missing Buckner as much. And I think it's really easy to be like DeForest Buckner was an all pro and whatever, whatever. They're still going to get after it again. 
wait until you see them against you know somebody like Daniel Jones or somebody like Sam Darnold, somebody that they can get after and pin their ears back, and then tell me if they missed a Forrest Buckner because let's be honest, Kyler Murray ate us for lunch last year too. So why we expect anything different just because we're missing Buckner or whatever? Like I don't I don't understand that. Let's see what they do. The pressure was there, especially early, especially oh, yeah. early. I mean, how many times did, did Murray slide within one yard of the line of scrimmage because Five he's not going to take yeah. hits? Yeah. yeah, You know, a ton of times where it's just like, you know, you look at if you broke down Kyler Murray's sacks versus carries or whatever, you're going to see a lot of one yard run, two yard run, minus one yard run. There were a couple times where he slid behind the line of scrimmage because he was pressured. You know, and and so to me, that tells me that the defensive line is doing its job. They're getting back there. They're pressuring him. But Kyler Murray is such an athlete that he can escape that that four man pressure. So unless you're you know, we saw a couple times where they ran uh, Jimmy Ward or they ran K1 Williams on on pressure. And those were the times where you get a deflection or you get Kyler Murray throwing the ball out of bounds. But solid doesn't run a lot of pressure too much. Um, so a lot of it is four-man fronts. When you have four-man fronts and you have five offensive linemen, you're going to run into situations where Kyler Murray can escape and get a couple yards here, get a couple yards there. And then you're depending on your back seven to kind of you know eat up some of that real estate and keep him in check. And that's where people like Quan Alexander missing that third and 17 come into play. So not every week is going to be a Lamar Jackson or a Kyler Murray or a Russell Wilson. You know, you kind of have to batten down the hatches for those weeks, but most weeks this defensive line is going to get home and get sacks. So starting next week against the jets and Sam Darnold, who sees ghosts everywhere. I expect this defensive (laughs) line to eat lunch all day long. One, 1 PM Eastern time. It's time for the 49ers to eat. So Kyler Murray ran for 91 yards today. The running backs for the Cardinals, 86 total yards. So they did their job against the run, but when you give them a quarterback who can improvise and make plays with his feet, that was the problem last season. So overall, like Matt said, once we, once they give us pocket passers, it is what it is because the defensive line and the linebackers did their job against actual run plays, not scrambles. Scrambles is what we struggled with. So the talent is there. Defensive line adjustments are there for the run game. It's just sometimes breakdowns happen. And Kyler Murray had a couple of big runs outside of that though. That was it. There was a lot of one and two yard runs. Yep. Yep. What's frustrating the most about real quick, Matt, um, about the, the scrambles is that they usually come in when the secondary and the defensive line both won their matchups. Uh, either they're scrambling because there's the coverage is so good or the defensive line is creating pressure and you got to scramble outside the pocket. So it's like, dude, you were so close yeah. on both sides. And then you just let Kyler run off a 10 yard, you know, for a first down gain. It's like, Oh, it's just so frustrating, man. Right. It's well, and so there's a reason th- there's a reason that guys like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray and Josh Allen are going to be so effective because they're they're typically going to be faster than even really athletic defensive linemen. And by the time they get past the defensive line, then the linebackers have to come up and leave a play, you know, leave their player. And so it's like, well, do you give up the pass or do you play the run? And it's it's such an extra dynamic that, you know, it, it's it, it's hard to deal with. David Yang says, how come we're the only team that struggles against a running QB? We're not. We're not. No. Lamar Jackson was the MVP last year, and he wasn't the MVP because he's a pocket passer. That's for damn sure. Lamar Jackson was the MVP because he makes plays with his legs, 
to set up his throws. He led the league in touchdown passes, but it wasn't like they were long touchdown passes. It's they were in the red zone and he was throwing passes to his tight end because everybody was worried about the RPO. Same thing. Josh Allen was really effective today against the Jets, not because he was throwing the ball especially well, but because he can take off and he can run. So when you have that dual threat, you're talking about an added dimension that you have to worry about instead of being 11 on 10 like it used to be against pocket passers. Now you're talking 11 on 11 with sometimes the most athletic person on your team being the quarterback. So in the case in the case of of the Arizona Cardinals, I would argue that outside of DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray is the most athletic player on that team. So you're oh, talking yeah. about trying to contain that guy with you know, defensive linemen and, and and defensive linemen who are engaged with big dudes who are trying to shoot gaps or, you know, stunt inside or speed rush outside. This is that. So you're worried about engaging with an offensive lineman and then worrying about if the guy takes off on you. So I don't think that it's, you know, we're the only team that struggles with. There's a reason why the NFL is shifting towards this type of player, why a player like Patrick Mahomes is so effective who can run the ball or Kyler Murray is so effective who can run the ball but also can throw the ball. It's because you add that extra dimension, and it's so hard to defend. It's not just us. It's everybody. Plays break down, too. It happens. Sometimes scrambling quarterbacks like Lamar and Mahomes and Kyler just get lucky where the the secondary has their backs turned because their coverage is really good. Defensive line is forcing them out of the pocket. And, and there's nothing you can do. Mobile quarterbacks against, can't, against us can get lucky. And again, plays break down. And sometimes they can just scramble. The, yep. Like Zach said, the coverage can be so good that there's just this open hole in the middle of the field where quarterbacks yep. can just run wild. And that's kind of something that's just out of the team's control. Yeah. You remember, um, yeah. You remember the old term, right? Coverage sack. Oh yeah, yeah. We have a pocket yeah. quarterback back there, and he couldn't find anybody open. So then he gets sacked. You know how coverage many times we heard ex- that last season? That's all we heard last season. Yeah, coverage, coverage, sack, coverage sack, doesn't coverage exist sack. with with guys like Murray and Jackson because if they don't see it, they're going to take, take off. Yep. yep. And then everybody's occupied. And it's like, well, shit. Now we got this guy. So yeah, they need to have it almost. You have to set up a dedicated spy, and it has to be somebody that can match athleticism, which is going to be really hard. Quan for, can for, if he just reads better. Yeah, well, Quan <laughs> is definitely athletic enough. So, yeah, yeah. it's all um, So, yeah. So before we go, guys, let's talk about you know what we hope to see next week against uh, the Jets. In it's, game uh, t- adjustments, baby. That's what yeah, I 10 want. Ten a.m. start time. Um. So, what what do yep. we expect? What are our predictions? Like, what what do we got going on for next week? I'll go first. Um. For me, I already touched on the third down conversions, but I also want them to pass the ball more. And I want to see Jimmy trust his receivers. You're not going to have Debo next week. Who knows how much Ayuk's going to be able to play. You're going to need to trust KB. You're going to need to trust Trent Taylor. You're going to need to trust Dante Pettis. And I know a lot of people might laugh at that, but it's like, look, if you can't trust them, then you are taking away literally half of your offense. Mm -hmm. And that's not sustainable. You can't win games without using your wide receivers. You really need to just be able to trust them. And we did see Jimmy throw it up there, and it ended up getting intercepted and luckily got called back, but he trusted KB. I think it was KB, and he threw a ball up there, and it got picked. Um, yeah. Luckily, it was brought back due to a, a whole... Uh, that was Jerick McKinnon, actually. That was McKinnon. That was Jack. Oh, was yeah. it? Okay, okay. Yeah, so he trusts McKinnon. So then, but, I mean, negates my point, but still, I want to see him trust his wide receivers, and I okay. want to see them convert on third down, and I also, last thing, I want to see them come out hot and st- keep it. Don't We've seen them now in two back-to-back games going back to the Super Bowl, Below ten point lead, you can't do that in the NFL. 
Hold your damn leads. Yeah. Go ahead, Anthony. Well, I want to see against the Jets next week. So I'll drop the first prediction. My Zach, my one bold one came true. The, the Niners were only going to get two sacks, and that happened. I thought that was pretty bold, but after seeing today, it was kind of expected. <laughs> so against the Jets, I want to see double that, man. I want to see four sacks. I want to see these guys get to Sam Darnold. And like I said earlier, my biggest – biggest thing is I want to see in-game adjustments. I want to see red zone adjustments. I want to see Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala both really use that creativity because we have all the talent on both sides of the ball. I don't care if Kendrick Bourne is the problem or Dante Pettis is the problem. You still have that talent where these guys can make plays. Use that. Kyle Shanahan, go out there and trust your wide receivers. If you don't trust them, you shouldn't even have a wide receiver on the roster to begin with. Go out there, make let your guys make plays, trust Garoppolo to make plays downfield, and get the job done. All right. I got them playing some smash mouth football and establishing the run. 15 for 56 for Mostert today. Not good enough. They need no. to establish the run. Um, I think Trent Taylor, everybody's going to bash Trent Taylor. I think Trent Taylor will be fine. He's, he hasn't really played in almost a season and a half. Um, I think that Jimmy, uh, I agree with Zach, Jimmy needs to trust receivers more. Whether or not that they're five yards wide open, he can't just, you know, throw only to wide open receivers. He's going to have to put the ball where it needs to go. So between the run and Jimmy throwing where he needs to go, um, you know, we got a guy in the chat. We need a number one wide receiver. Number one wide receiver is on the bench right now, Hurt. He'll be back. Yeah, we have but one. For yeah. now, we have – these are imminently winnable games. And for me, I predict the score for the for the 49ers just to be 37-10 49ers. We're going to boat race them. We're going to beat the shit out of them. The, the ahead, Jets Trey, are terrible. Got? They're terrible. And we're going to beat all day. All Ten. day. <laughs> 10 points is very generous for the Jets, man. That offense was brutal today. And the Bills <laughs> have a pretty good defense themselves. I think yeah. – you know what? I think the, I think the Niners are going to get four turnovers. I predicted it. It failed. But these guys have shown they can turn the ball – or force turnovers. I think that's going to happen. Darnold's going to continue to see ghosts. I got these guys forcing four turnovers and dropping a 38 bomb too, Matt. I'm thinking 38 to 7. Wow. All right. Uh, both of you guys up in the high 30s. Um I got something similar when I was thinking of this game after how this one ended. I got 35 to 10. Okay. Pretty, pretty similar. Yeah, I agree with Anthony on the turnovers, by the way. The 49ers forced a couple of fumbles today, but they just weren't in position to recover them. The hunger is there for turnovers. The hunger yes. is there. They will go out there and do them. Sometimes yes. you just fumbles happen, and they get lucky to recover them. Yep. Yep. All right, guys. I think that's going to do it for us today. We really appreciate you all tuning in to our first week yep. one recap. Uh, Thanks for joining us, guys. Camp. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thanks for the super chat. Uh, and we're going to be doing this after every game, so make sure you catch us here. We'll be on YouTube and on Periscope on Twitter. Make sure you tune in, send in your questions and your comments, and we'll be more than happy to answer all of them. Uh, and make sure you guys are subscribing to the channel and following us on Twitter. Thanks, guys. Yep, click, Take care. Click the bell for all the notifications. We're bringing you Niners news this week, so make sure you tune in for all the videos. Till next time, go Niners.